Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along, it's Rob Riles welcoming you to another episode. Now this episode is number eight in the series based on Phil Denton and Mickey Mellon's fantastic book, The First 100 Days Lessons in Leadership from the Football Bosses. So without going through the whole process, this is number eight in the series and I strongly recommend you go back and study the first seven. Um, But as always, there are standalone messages within this particular episode. So the first 100 days lessons in leadership from the football bosses by Phil Denton and Mickey Mellon. Chapter eight, team talks, days 51 to 65. Now, this particular episode is based very much on communication. Yes, they've talked about communication before, but they really nail some key aspects of communication in this particular episode with some wonderful examples and some great citations of some really eminent people who have proven categorically really the power of communication and what it can achieve. In addition to the communication aspect, they talk again about culture and how communication and culture dovetail and really, really go into leadership following culture in terms of the ultimate type of leadership. So we're going to cover those three main areas that Phil and Mickey talk so eloquently about in the book, communication, culture, and leadership. So we'll begin with communication. And they talk about how absolutely vital it is in your communication that you hit the right spot. And I suppose it goes without saying almost, but it's so important it needs saying. Your communication as the leader, as the manager, sets the tone for the organization. Let's say that again. Your communication and everything about it that's your non-verbal communication and your verbal communication, sets the tone for the organization. And one of the things that they do mention, which is really worth mentioning, is Team Talks. That is the title of the, of the chapter. But as they point out, it's virtually one of the areas of sport that the media have not totally invaded. Yes, they've been invited in. Yes, they get access occasionally. And we've all seen dressing room footage and heard excerpts from dressing rooms. And occasionally, occasionally, things are sneaked out. Let's put it like that. And uh, the cardinal sin is performed when things like that happen. But essentially, dressing room team talks manager's office talks remain private and so they should so what is it about this communication 
Well, you have to give clear messages. And if we're talking about clarity of message, think about it yourself. You, if you are being asked to do something, do you want long, complicated, unclear information? Absolutely not. You want it simple, you want it clear, and you want it to be in a form that you can understand straight away and know what it is that is expected of you. What do I need to do? That is what this is all about in terms of those type of messages. That's particularly true if you're doing a half-time team talk or a pre-game team talk. People do not want, players cannot take in 25 different messages. You know, there's been a meme going around for quite a while that three is almost the magic number. Whether it is or not, I do not know. I've heard Jordan Peterson say, and so much of his what he says is based on phenomenal research. That man does not say things unless he has researched them and they are proven in double blind trials and so on that people in academia understand. He said in a podcast the other week that the maximum thing that people can hold in, number of things that people can hold in their minds at one time is around about four. So three would fit in pretty well but you have to get your messages right your communication right your tone your body language what is it you are aiming to achieve but that is only one part of the story being a football manager particularly at the top level we know is stressful we know it's pressurized and one thing you need to do, and the LMA have recognized this and have done a lot of work towards this and are still doing a lot of work towards it. And there's a big thing at the moment, isn't there, about mental health. You need to have a real strong element of self-care and bias towards looking after yourself. Because if you don't, you'll be submerged in a sea of drama. So where does this come in terms of communication? Well, it sits with what we will call self-talk. There are books on self-talk. There's a multitude of information out there that tells us that it's our internal dialogue, what we say to ourselves on a daily, consistent, minute by minute, second by second basis that has a phenomenal impact on where we are mentally and therefore where we are in the world. You know, if you come across as calm, as confident, as poised and as present, it's highly unlikely that you've got 150 mile an hour self-talk going on that is of a negative type. If you are talking anxiously to yourself, you are talking in worrying, disturbed, fearful terms, it is highly unlikely that you will be able to present yourself as cool, calm, present and collected. Self-talk, also powerful communication information. Now Mickey and Phil cite 
a guy called Daniel Kahneman um, from a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, who has highlighted that essentially when we receive information as human beings, our brains will filter that in two ways. One, in an emotional way, along our gut feeling pathways, our neurological gut feeling, emotional, reactive, responsive, quick reaction pathways. Or our more analytical brain function, which is slower and is more reflective. And those two types of messages are different. And as a leader, a manager, a coach, you have to understand what it is you want to achieve and which of those two mechanisms in the human nervous system you wish to facilitate change in. Are you after an instantaneous reaction from people, a set of players, a player? You want an urgent, immediate response you may want them to be angry. You may want them to get upset. You may want them to get frustrated. And you may want a response now. That is attacking the emotional pathway. Do you want your players to understand the concept? Have you got more time in a training session to put that in? You are going to speak differently, communicate in a different manner if that is what you are trying to achieve. And it's important and even vital that we know as leaders and managers which of those pathways we're trying to affect. Now, there's also something that they cite in, the, in this chapter which is absolutely mind-blowing. And the phrase that they use is words change worlds. So if you doubt how powerful words are, the power of your own words and the words of other people, just think about how the world has been changed by great orators, great speakers and great speeches and how your world is affected by what people say to you. So if you doubt, just think about that. If somebody comes up to you and gets really close to you in your personal space and tells you things that really get under your skin about you and your family, is that going to change your world? Yes, it probably is. If you speak positively to people, understandingly, in an empathetic way, in the correct tone, you will elicit a much different response. Words change worlds. They've even done studies where they can tell, they can predict which people, which couples are going to get separated or divorced by listening to their conversation. Not the conversation they're having when they're disagreeing and falling out and separating, but conversations years and years earlier. And it's to do with how many positive affirmatory expressions people use towards each other in comparison to how many derogatory or negative ones they use. That's how powerful words are.
get used to it and use them. Now, what's this Florida effect? They talk about something called a Florida effect. And the study went something like this. They gave people a set of words to read. And these words were associated with elderly, retired people who had frailties and possibly illnesses and were towards the end of their life. Just descriptive adjectives like old, like gray, like infirm, like frail, like ill. Just words that they were asked to read. The other group of people were given neutral words. I don't know what those words were, but they weren't emotional. So they might have been things like red or color or car or house or something of that nature. They then just simply videoed these groups of people walking away from this room where they read those cards down a corridor. And what they discovered on a consistent basis is that the people who'd read the words associated with being old and infirm and gray walked more slowly than those people who'd read the neutral words, not just once, but consistently. And they deduced from that that those words affected people's behavior. Now, if that is the case, we all better watch what we're reading, what we're listening to, and what we are saying to ourselves. Powerful stuff, let's get it right. They also cite moving on in terms of communication. And it's just off the communication aspect really, but it's it cites a guy called Paul McGee, who, who's written a book called Shut Up, Move On, Sumo. Shut Up, Move On, amongst other things. Very eminent guy who's worked with lots of high profile sports players, sports teams. And he has a, or they cite a, I think it's a six step process, might be seven, have to read the book, just check it out. On how to keep perspective, because one thing's for sure in football, you ain't gonna win every game. You're gonna come across loads of trouble. You're gonna have aggravations, you're gonna have issues, you're gonna have to deal with things. People are gonna get up your nose, under your skin, and you're gonna have to have a perspective. How do you keep a perspective when you've just got tanked 3-0, when you, sh when you are 16 places above that team in the league, and you need those points to qualify for Europe. Here goes, here's a summary of what Paul McGee says. Ask yourself these questions. On a scale of one to 10, how much does this matter? 10 being death. So that's a perspective to start with. Question number two, how much will this matter in six months? Question number three, what is the appropriate and effective response that I can have to this situation? Question number four, what can I learn from this? Question number five, what should I do next time 
this happens. And the last question, is there a positive in this experience? Now you get used to asking yourselves those questions on a consistent and a persistent basis. It will give you the very best outcome from every situation. Paul McGee, Sumo, shut up and move on. So moving on from communication, and just before we do move on from communication, they also talk again about Mark Palios, how he differentiates between external priorities to communicate and internal priorities. Look, the media need to have a message. The supporters need to have a message. The players need to have a message. The board needs to have a message. We're not talking about telling untruths here, but you do not, let's put it like this, tell the media absolutely everything that goes on in the manager's office and in the dressing room and it's going on in your private life. There are things that need to be communicated and sorted out and dealt with on a personal and a private basis in the correct arena. So there will always be external aspects to communication and internal aspects to communication. Important to recognize that. Culture. Again, they quote Dan Coyle, culture club, culture code, excuse me, culture code. And they talk about successful cultures having a number of facets. They have people who interact in physical proximity. Again, it goes back to the environment. Don't have everybody spread out in an enormous building all over the place, locked away in rooms who never speak and never see each other. Cohesion, social bonding occurs around water filters, around coffee machines, in restaurants, in the boot room, in the dressing room. People need to be together. It involves lots of eye contact. So not people sitting in straight lines. People don't sit in straight lines behind desks in socially cohesive groups. It involves social aspects, laughing, talking, downtime, so that these kind of cohesive events take on a life of their own. It's a code, a culture code, as Dan Coyle's book talks about. They cite you as the leader. And when I say they, I'm talking about Mickey and Phil, talk about you being the big brother, like the big brother or the parent in this relationship. So you set the tone. You don't have kids running the household. You don't have young children running the household anyway, do you? You have parents who have a mature, approach to life who lay down discipline and laws and values so that the youngsters can pick them up and that is what you are aiming to do you are not a dictator sitting in an ivory tower sending out messages you are part of the team and it's being that big brother that parent that availability that creates that safe soft environment that also has boundaries and structure just like creating a home it's no different 
they cite um, culture architects, if you like. Damien Hughes talks about these kind of cultural architects, people who are key in your organization. It might be your captain, it might be your goalkeeper, it might be your chairman, it might be the kit man, it might be the physiotherapist, but people who are totally behind what you are doing and actually facilitate the development of the culture that you are aiming to create. Cultural architects, Damien Hughes. As they come towards the end of the chapter, they come onto a couple of real key things. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. Vulnerability. People are human beings first and footballers second or chairman second or goalkeepers second or sports scientists second, but they are human beings first. They want to know that they are important they are cared for, they are in a safe environment and that they can be vulnerable. And you as the leader have to demonstrate that vulnerability first. You have to be prepared to open up and show your frailties. And I'm not talking about inappropriate behaviors here i'm talking about letting the people know in your organization that you are a normal human being you have normal emotions you feel the same things as them they can identify with you and go do you know what he's a real decent person that is what vulnerability means and it creates a spontaneous chain reaction where they then will share their uh, vulnerabilities and then others will share their vulnerabilities. And it's not to become uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting for want of a better phrase. It's about being real and creating bonds where people know it's more than a game, it's a cause and they will die for the cause, not just the points. It's not about them anymore. It's about us, vulnerability. Which leads on to the last couple of points. This is beautiful. I've talked about it on previous podcasts. It's demonstrated for me by the world's greatest leaders, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, and so on. Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, servant leadership the greatest leaders are the greatest servants there's no such thing as a little thing wash up clean the dressing room help people out do the dirty work empty a bin be normal be real pick a cone up don't be the person who gets picked up and dropped off in the limousine, stands 50 meters away from everybody else and doesn't engage. That is not servant leadership. I think we know what servant leadership is. It's powerful, it resonates, it's beautiful, and it works. And last but not least, as Phil talks about, you have to learn to celebrate your successes. 
me personally, never been great at that. And I think a lot of people have that aspect. Find it difficult to let your guard down, relax and go, do you know what? We've had a great week, a great month. We've done well. We've achieved this. Let's chill out. Let's have a bit of a social whether that's drinks, whether it's food, whether it's party, whether it's time out, holiday, whatever it is, celebrate your successes. Life is too short just to keep relentlessly grinding on without any joy. So there we go, that's chapter eight. I think it's absolutely brilliant, absolutely packed, jam-packed full of nuggets from start to finish, chapter eight team talks all about communication all about culture and all about leadership catch you later bye bye the leader manager coach podcast is available via the leader manager coach app download it now to access the rich resource of unique insightful and educational material to help you on your own journey in football sport and life leader manager coach for the game for life available now on google play and apple app store